morning to all our listeners and a warm welcome to our program of Vigyan Prasar. Let me have the privilege of inviting you all to be an active participant in this program. We are going to talk about the planet Venus. Here is a conversation between myself, Rupa, and my friend, Poranjoy, about this planet. Wake up, Rupa. It's 7 o'clock already. Mmm, let me sleep, Poranjoy. I slept late yesterday. Get up, get up, get up, you lazy girl. Have you forgotten that you have a test tomorrow? Oh, no. I have a test tomorrow on the planet Venus, but I don't know a single word about Venus. How will I write the test, Poranjoy? Okay, okay. Relax. Venus is the subject. Let me see. I think I can do something. I'll... Why don't you just get me your books and I'll help you uh, with your preparation. Thanks a lot. First you get up from the bed and give me your books. And by the time you freshen up, I'll go through your books. All right? Here are the books, Paranjoy. I'll just come now. Okay. Come quickly. Okay. Let's start. To begin with, let me first ask you, what do you already know about the planet Venus? Yeah, I just know what... I know that to ancient astronomers, this brilliant planet that hangs in the twilight as the evening star or at the dawn as a morning star was naturally associated with the goddess of love. Exactly. You are very correct. Yet, this planet could hardly bear a less appropriate name. The gentle light of Venus is in fact the reflection of sunlight, of clouds of concentrated sulfuric acid. Beneath, the entire surface is a hotbed of volcanic activity, laced by lava flows and dominated by vast volcanoes. Say, is the temperature inside Venus high or low? The temperature is high enough to melt lead and the pressure of the unbreathable air is sufficient to crush a submarine. And you know what? The modern astronomers say that their idea of Venus is not really very different from the medieval vision of hell. I really want to know what Venus is really like. How does it look? Are there any photographs available? Actually, it is only in recent years that astronomers have learned what Venus is really like, even though this planet comes closer to the Earth than any other. The problem has been its all-encompassing clouds. On average, the Earth is 40% cloud-covered, so astronauts circling our planet can see most of the surface as time goes by. But the cloud cover on Venus is 100%. Even the cameras on board the Pioneer Venus spacecraft that orbited the planet for 14 years never showed any more than the top of the cloud decks. So have they ever been able to unveil the face of Venus? Scientists have been able, however, to use two ways in which to unveil the face of Venus. One is the brute force approach, and that is to send robot craft that can investigate on the spot. And American space scientists have dropped small probes through the atmosphere to measure its composition, temperature and pressure. Okay, tell me something more. The Russians and the erstwhile Soviet Union had pursued a far more ambitious program about Venus. They had uh, dispatched balloons to float around in the planet's atmosphere and have landed several craft on the hot surface. 
in the hour or so before they succumb to pressure of 90 earth atmospheres and a temperature of 465 degrees Celsius, these Venera landing craft have measured the composition of the surface rocks and have even sent back color pictures of their surroundings. These show mainly flat expanses of broken volcanic rocks, while these spacecraft have revealed a few small patches of the planet in uncanny close-up, they have not given us a global view of Venus. We would, after all, have little idea of the Earth as a planet if our only information consisted of views of half a dozen randomly selected spots on its surface. By turning away from visible light to radio waves, however, astronomers can effectively quote-unquote see through the clouds and so build a picture of the entire planet with the clouds stripped away. Very interesting. What is the size of Venus? Is it the same size as that of the Earth? Astronomers first made radar contact with Venus in the early 1960s before any spacecraft reached the planet. The results show that beneath the clouds there was indeed a rocky world about the same size as the Earth. With a diameter of 12,103 kilometers compared to the Earth's 12,756 kilometers, Venus is often called the Earth's twin, though in most other ways apart from size, they show little family resemblance. Okay, but I didn't understand the radar contact part. What kind of contact is that? I'll explain. Radar astronomy involves sending out a beam of radio waves that are reflected of the target, say a mountain on Venus, and then picked up by a suitable receiver, often simply transmitting aerial working in reverse. But Puranjoy, is this radar of any use? Yes dear, it is. One great advantage of radar, especially for investigating Venus, is that the radio waves can penetrate clouds with no problem at all. The real surprise of these early radar results was that Venus rotates much more slowly than any other planet turning once on its axis in 243 days. Even more bizarre, it rotates from east to west, while most of the others, including the Earth, rotate from west to east. As seen from the surface of Venus, if we could strip the clouds away, the sun would appear to rise in the west and set in the east. During the course of the long way Venus moves, a significant amount along its orbit around the sun. For this reason, its day, that's measured from noon to noon, is different from its period of rotation and lasts 417 Earth days. Do you know anything about the rotation rate of Venus? How many times does it rotate? Yes, Venus's rotation rate also means that the planet has a very strange relationship with the Earth. Between one close approach to the Earth and the next, Venus rotates exactly five times, so that at its closest approach, it always presents the same side to the Earth. I see. But um, what has this to do with the radar astronomy? It has a lot to do, my dear, because this fact was extremely galling for the pioneers of radar astronomy as they could produce good maps of Venus only when the planet was at its closest. And these always showed the same half of Venus. Nonetheless, the first radar results showed some interesting details of Venus. Two regions, Alpha and Beta, were rough and reflected radar waves well. Near the North Pole rose a tall mountain that was higher than Mount Everest and was named Maxwell Montes, after the scientist who predicted the existence of radio waves. 
but the real breakthrough in astronomers' understanding of the geology of Venus had to await radar sets in orbit around the planet, patiently mapping the surface from just above the clouds. In 1978-79, the pioneer Venus orbiter produced the first radar survey of the surface of Venus. The Soviet Venera 15 and 16 craft provided more detailed views of the planet's North Pole. But the breakthrough came from the American Magellan craft, which has been orbiting Venus since August 1990. Its radar can show features only 100 meters across on the hidden surface of Venus. With these images, geologists can begin to unravel the history of our fellow planet. Oh, Paranja, you have given me so much knowledge about Venus. Can we take a small break now, please? Sure, we can. But remember, it's a very small break. Publication of popular science books and periodicals has been the mainstay of Vigyan Prasar activities right from its inception. Vigyan Prasar has so far published over 100 titles in English, Hindi and other Indian languages. Some of the series that have evolved over the years are Science Biography Series, Science Classics Reprint Series, Indian Scientific Heritage Series, Natural History Series and the Health Series. Welcome to all of you after the break. Okay, let's proceed. Okay, Rupa. Before that, I want you to quickly recapitulate some of the main points that we have discussed. Sure, Paranjay. So far, we have discussed about the goddess of love, that is Venus. It hangs in the twilight as the evening star or at dawn as the morning star. The gentle light of Venus is in fact the reflection of sunlight of clouds of concentrated sulfuric acid. Beneath the entire surface is hotbed of volcanic activity, laced by lava flows and dominated by vast volcanoes. The temperature is high enough to melt lead and the pressure of the unbreathable air is sufficient to crush a submarine. And you know what? The modern astronomer's idea of Venus is not far from the medieval vision of hell. Very good. Fantastic. I must appreciate the way you've grasped the main points. Thank you, Paranjoy. Okay. Now I will tell you a very, very interesting fact. Just as explorers have used their imagination freely in naming newly discovered rivers and mountains on Earth, astronomers have had a field day in giving names to mountains, craters and other features on freshly explored worlds. In the case of Venus, the only planet named after a goddess, the International Astronomical Union has decided that women only should be honoured. So with the exception of the three features picked out first, by Earth-based radar, the map of Venus thus bears names of women. They range from deities and mythological figures to heroines of her time. We can find uh, on Venus a mountain ridge named Aphrodite, the crater called Cleopatra, a giant canyon, Diana, a plains called Helen and Genevieve. Even Eve is also uh, a very strange uh, circular feature surrounding a bright spot that astronomers have appropriately chosen as the zero for measuring longitude. It's like the Greenwich of Venus. Wow, now that makes me feel proud to be a woman. But you have to wait, you have to grow up, you are still very, very young. 
Okay, Paranjoy, I'll be one someday. Okay, all right. Can you tell me something more about Venus, like its surface, what is there inside it, etc.? Okay, let me tell you. The radar maps from Magellan show that Venus has a tortured volcanic surface. Covering practically every square kilometer are volcanoes of all sizes, enormous lava flows and weird igneous structures that have no counterpart on Earth. Archaeoids are spider-shaped patterns of cracks that can stretch up to 250 kilometers across. Even larger are the coronae. A corona looks like a giant failed souffle. And indeed, it was formed the same way. It's a volcanic dome that rose and then as the lava beneath it, it ebbed away. It largely collapsed before it set solid. On a smaller scale are flattened pancake domes the size of a city where vicious, viscous lava has oozed onto the surface and congealed. Most of these volcanic structures are broad and rather squat and they are dotted over low-lying plains that cover much of the planet. Even the early results from Pioneer Venus, however, showed three regions that stand out because they are much higher than average. After listening to this, I really want to visit the planet once. I haven't finished yet. There are more interesting things for you to learn and to see. Have you heard of Beta Regio? No, what is it? Beta Regio is a pair of volcanoes with summits 5,000 meters high that make them among the tallest on the planet. They are composed of lava that has erupted from the center of a sprawling system of cracks that stretches well beyond the volcanoes themselves. One of the Soviet landers settled on the edges of Beta Regio and recorded chunky stones similar to some lava on Earth. These sharp-edged stones are good at reflecting radio waves, thus making this region stand out brightly in the early radar images. Are these volcanoes similar to the ones on Earth? Yes, the volcanoes of Beta Regio are very similar to the shield volcanoes of Earth, great volcanic piles like Hawaii that rise up to 10,000 meters from the ocean floor. A single stream of molten rock, magma, rising from the planet's deep interior and forming a hot spot at the surface feeds a shield volcano on Earth. Beta Regio marks a hot spot on Venus where rising magma has cracked the surface and then heaped up a pair of shield volcanoes. On the other side of Venus from Beta Regio, we found a long mountainous ridge, Aphrodite Terra. Covering an area similar to South America, Aphrodite is shaped rather like a scorpion and winds along the equator to extend almost halfway across the planet. The body of the scorpion is currently one of the less active parts of Venus, but the region of its tail consists of a whole complex of troughs and ridges. The largest trough, Artemis Chasma, could swallow up one of the Earth's medium-sized mountain ranges. Some of the volcanoes here, such as Mat Mons and Atla Regio, resemble the peaks in Beta Regio and are probably fueled by smaller hotspots of rising magma. Okay, what other regions are there in Venus? The third upland region of Venus lies near the North Pole. Ishtar Terra consists of a plateau bordered on three sides by mountain ranges. In all about the size of Australia, the southern edge is marked by a steep scarp, 3,000 meters high, where the plateau drops away to the lowland plains. The plateau itself, Lakshmi Planum, is very smooth, congealed lavas from two volcanic vents that appear as large holes in the smooth plain cover it. 
Do you know what the highest mountain on Venus is? No, Paranjay. Which is the highest mountain? To the east of the plateau towers Maxwell Montes. The highest mountain on Venus is 11,000 meters tall. Maxwell, in fact, consists of a series of parallel ridges suggested that it has been squeezed and crumpled in much the same way as the Earth's Himalayas were thrown up as India crashed into the Asian landmass. What else is present on Venus? There are many, many more. Near the summit is a crater called Cleopatra. In early radar images, Cleopatra looked rather like a caldera, the summit crater of a volcano, and many geologists thought that Maxwell was a mighty volcanic pile. But Magellan showed that Cleopatra was formed by the impact of a large meteorite, and only by chance lies near the top of the mountain. So Ishtar Terra is the only part of Venus that looks like a continent? Yes, you're absolutely right. Ishtar is the only part of Venus that looks like a continent. And what do you know about a continent? I have learned that a continent is a piece of the surface that happens to rise above sea level. I thought so. On Earth, we usually think of a continent as a piece of the surface that happens to rise above sea level. But there is a distinct geological difference between the ocean floor and the continents. The ocean floor consists of young rock, less than 250 million years old, that appears at mid-ocean ridges and eventually disappears back into the planet's interior. The continents consist of much older rock, up the same way as our continents rise above the ocean floor. But we cannot yet determine the age of its rocks, as much of them lie beneath the recent lava flows of Lakshmi Plenum. But does Venus have the same history as that of Earth? The results coming in from Magellan suggest that Venus's surface has had a rather different story from that of its twin, the Earth. Because the two planets were similar, are similar in size and made much of, uh, made of much the same material, radioactive elements within both worlds must produce about the same amount of heat. Much of the heat escapes through the surface in the form of molten rock through volcanoes. Some of this heat in both planets appears as hot spots where rising magma builds up huge volcanoes like those of Hawaii or Beta Regio. But the rest of the heat emerges in different ways. On our planet, it comes up in distinct lines of volcanoes along the giant cracks that split our planet's crust into several rigid plates. The crust of Venus may be split into plates, but they are thin and flexible and easily pierced. Magma can well up all over to create a planet-wide scattering of at least 100,000 volcanoes of all sizes. Can we take a short break now? Okay, okay, we'll proceed after a short break. Vigyan Prasar brings out a bilingual monthly newsletter popular science magazine Dream 2047. Many of the articles that have appeared in Dream 2047 have been reproduced in newspapers and magazines. Okay, welcome back after the break. Uh, let's proceed. That was very good. So it seems you have understood quite a bit about what we have discussed so far. Yes, Paranjay. Now let's proceed. You told me about all the regions in Venus, but you did not tell me how old these regions are. Actually, planetary scientists have been able to measure the age of many regions of the surface of Venus by counting the number of craters blasted out by meteorites. The oldest regions date back about 800 million years. 
an astonishingly short time on the geological scale, while other parts of Venus are progressively younger, suggesting that volcanic activity has been going on steadily all this time. It is presumably carrying on even now as we are talking. There is direct evidence of a massive eruption on Venus in the mid-1970s. When the Pioneer Venus craft arrived in 1978, it found a lot more sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere than astronomers on Earth had measured several years before. Over the next few years, the amount of sulfur dioxide dropped once again. What is sulfur dioxide and why is it there in the atmosphere? Sulfur dioxide is one of the noxious gases released in volcanic eruptions and the best explanation is that a major eruption ejected an enormous quantity of this gas just before the spacecraft arrived in orbit. Over the following years, the amount of sulfur dioxide fell as chemical reactions turned it into sulfuric acid. So did sulfuric acid affect the planet in any way? Yes. Over millions of years, such reactions have produced the drops of sulfuric acid that now comprise the planet's continuous cloud decks. These clouds are actually not as dense as the water clouds of Earth. If we were foolish enough to hang about in the acid cloud layers of Venus, we would find ourselves in a haze rather than a pea super. Why so? Because the layers of haze are some 20,000 meters thick. However, they form an impenetrable veil over the face of Venus. The clouds of Venus look bland when we observe them in ordinary light. But the view at ultraviolet wavelengths shows up an assortment of markings, in particular a large dark Y shape. Interesting. Oh, were there any pictures taken? Yes, dear. Marina 10 took clear pictures of these markings as it swept past Venus on its way to Mercury in 1974 while the Pioneer Venus orbiter kept a continuous watch on Venus's changing weather from 1978 until it burnt up in Venus's atmosphere in 1992. I think the winds on Venus will just be as gentle breeze. Uh, why do you think so? Because Venus rotates so slowly and so the winds will also be just a gentle breeze. Mm, what you say is true. And that was what the astronomers also expected, but nothing could be further from the truth. Venus lives up to its new fearsome reputation, its weather as well. Although the planet turns once in 243 days, the clouds whip around once in only four Earth days, driven by winds that blow continuously at a speed of almost 400 kilometers per hour, well over twice the force of a hurricane. But I have heard that Venus is a wet and watery paradise. Is it true? It is true, but it is not the same anymore. During the early days of the solar system, the sun was slightly less bright and slightly cooler than it is today. At that time, Venus would have been very much like Earth is today. It's closer distance to the sun, making up for the Earth's feebler power. Venus may then have been a wet and watery paradise, with an atmosphere composed mainly of nitrogen as is the Earth's current atmosphere. Is there some kind of primitive life evolved in its tropical seas? You're right. But as the sun grew hotter and brighter, Venus became warmer and warmer. More water evaporated into the atmosphere and water vapor is a better greenhouse gas than even the infamous carbon dioxide. The water vapor trapped more of the sun's heat, so heating up the oceans to produce more water vapor and also to release carbon dioxide dissolved in the seas. And the temperature went high? Yes, eventually the temperature reached the boiling point of water. 
The oceans of Venus boiled away in thick poles of steam that trapped yet more of the sun's heat. And as the temperatures rose higher, it decomposed the carbonate rocks and more carbon dioxide entered the atmosphere. Eventually, the steam escaped from Venus to leave the carbon dioxide smothered hell planet that we know today. To sum up, I will tell you one more interesting fact. The case of Venus demonstrates clearly that planetary science is not an esoteric pursuit for ivory-tarred academics. The runaway greenhouse effect of Venus began with a rise in temperature of only a degree or two, just as we are seeing on Earth today. That is not to say that our planet will inexorably go the same way as Venus did. But if we can understand exactly how and why Venus experienced a runaway greenhouse effect, we will be in a much better position to prevent the same fate from overtaking planet Earth. Venus stands as a dar warning of what can happen when a planet goes wrong. I'm very confident to go for the test tomorrow and I'm sure that I'll score very high marks. You better score good marks, Rupa. Otherwise, all my efforts would have gone to waste. Don't worry, Paranjay. I will. Thanks to you for making the topic really simple and interesting. Okay. Friends, this was a conversation which revealed many interesting facts about the planet Venus, the goddess of love, that is, Venus hangs in the twilight as the morning star or the evening star. The gentle light of Venus is in fact a reflection of sunlights of clouds of concentrated sulfuric acid. Beneath, the entire surface is a hotbed of volcanic activity laced by lava flows and dominated by vast volcanoes. The temperature is high enough to melt lead, and the pressure of the unbreathable air is sufficient to crush a submarine. And you know what? The modern astronomer's idea of Venus is not far from the medieval vision of hell. To sum up, I'll tell you one more interesting fact. The case of Venus demonstrates clearly that planetary science is not an esoteric pursuit for ivory-tarred academics. The runaway greenhouse effect on Venus began with a rise in temperature of only a degree or two, just as we are seeing on the Earth today. That is not to say that our planet will inexorably go the same way as Venus did. But as the sun grew hotter and brighter, Venus became warmer and warmer. More water evaporated into the atmosphere and water vapor is a better greenhouse gas than even the infamous carbon dioxide. The water vapor trapped more of the sun's heat, so heating up the oceans to produce more water vapor and also to release carbon dioxide dissolved in the seas. Well, after listening to our show, what are your reactions? Do tell us as we will be waiting for your reactions, your suggestions, queries, replies, ideas and views. Do remember to write to us. The postal address is Vigyan Prasar, C24, Kutub Institutional Area, New Delhi, 110016. I repeat, Vigyan Prasar, C24, Kutub Institutional Area, New Delhi, 110016. Now it's time to say goodbye. Have a nice day. We'll see you again in the next program of Vigyan Prasar. Namaskar. Namaskar. Research Mridula Balakrishnan, script Poonam Srivastav and Mridula Balakrishnan, production assistance 
Priya Natarajan and Bidula Balakrishnan, voiceover artists Purunjoy Guhathakurta and Rupa Mitra, recording, editing and mixing Sadan Lal Mehta, program coordinator Dr. T. V. Venkateshwaran. <laughs>